Hey, it's good to see you this weekend. Uh, good to be back with you. And uh, we're kind of finishing up a very important conversation. And I think you're in for a real treat this weekend as we finish up this conversation. Uh, if you haven't been with us, uh, let me catch you up to speed. We've been talking about respect, as you can see. And uh, we've been taking a look at something that most people demand nowadays in our culture. And it feels like fewer and fewer people are willing to give or maybe don't know how to give it. And so we as a church are saying, what does it mean to respect? You know, what does it mean from God's vantage point? So the foundation for the whole conversation has simply been this. We said, what is respect? And when you look at the New Testament, when you look at God's word, you see there are two things that God's word says about respect. And this has been our working definition. We said it this way, respect is acknowledging value and worth. It's looking at something and saying, I acknowledge the value. You see a $5 bill printed on it is a five. That is worth $5, right? Print on every human being, image of God. We're created in the image of God. But it's also attributing honor and attention, saying, okay, God, we're going to attribute the honor and attention that you that you say something or someone gets. And so that's what respect is. And so then we say, well, why in the world do we respect as a church? And that's so important, right? You understand that. Like when you're looking from God's vantage point, the why is as important as the what. You got to know that, right? And so we said it's got to be more than just grandma said. So the working motivation for respect we said is this respect is an expression of my worship to god the way i respect reflects the god that i worship so we're saying and it's an expression of my submission to the leadership of jesus in my life and so what we said is this is that when you look at the bible when it comes to respect which is so needed our culture is starving for this church leads the way the church leads the way and so we just kind of tease this topic through what does it look like in the home What's it look like in the workplace? What's it look like between the generations? What's it look like sexually between the genders, right? And so this week, here's what I want to do. I want to close up, kind of tie a bow on this conversation by simply saying, what does it look like racially? What does racial respect look like? You don't have to watch the news long to know that racial tension in the conversation is not something simply in the 60s, Right? that it is present. It is a dialogue that is happening right now. It's something we're dealing with. So here's what I want to do. For these moments, we're together. And I'm thank you for joining us, right? So glad that you're hanging out with us in these conversations. I'd love to hear from you. I love hearing what God's doing in you. Here's what I want to do this weekend. This weekend, I simply want to kind of break this up into two sections. First, I'm going to invite you the first part of this talk to listen in on a conversation I had a week or two ago with a friend of mine. His name is Pastor Samuel Hampton II. He's the pastor of the Faith Place in Akron, Ohio. I first met Samuel's father when I first came to Norton. We struck up a friendship. We would get together, have coffee together. And I knew that his son had become the pastor here in Akron. So he and I have begun meeting on a regular basis. And we have developed a friendship. And we've had some really good conversations. I've learned a lot from Samuel. I so, so cherish my friendship with him. So I want you to listen in. I had a great conversation with him. And then after that conversation, I want to come back and say, okay, let's kind of tie this thing up and say, okay, what are some observations racially when it comes to racial respect from God's word. I hope you'll enjoy the conversation I have with Samuel. Well, Samuel, I appreciate you having this conversation with me. You and I have been 
getting together and meeting for a couple months now. Yes, sir. Yes, and, sir. And uh, I've been telling the people at Norton a little bit about you. Right. Okay. Uh, and then we had a panel discussion out in the parking lot. Yes, sir. That was fun to be a part of. And so we're having this conversation uh, about respect. And uh, this particular week, we're talking kind of about racial respect. And I just kind of wanted them to hear your story and hear your heart a little bit. That's kind of what I wanted. So maybe you could start with just like you grew up uh, or at least went to school part of your time here in Norton, right? Yes, sir. Tell me a little good. bit about that. So, so you know, and as you said, I, I thank God for the connection. Um, as as when when we got the reach, you reached out and we connected. Man, this has been a blessing for huh. me, and I always look forward to time with you. So so yeah, so I I, I had to I came to Norton for high school. Huh. So now I, I can remember. Uh, my parents, because I was in, at, at that time at Ennis Middle School and headed to Norton High School where my mother was teaching at, and and she and they wanted to move. And okay. so we were moving out of the inner city of Accra out to Norton. Huh. And, uh, and you're I, in ninth grade at the time. Not, yeah, get ready to go to ninth, ninth grade. grade. Okay. And uh, I, you know, I never heard really of Norton. I never, <laughs> you know, I really wasn't feeling the move. Because you know you got friends, you got things. You you're thinking about basketball and the city. You got some. Hey, I might have some opportunity to make it somewhere. Uh, and then we moved to Norton, and I and I remember my mother and me going to our orientation day, huh. uh, and being met by the counselor at that time. And one of the things that just he his approach to us was, hey, at our school. Our kids don't swing from the chandeliers like they do in the inner city. Wow! Um, and wow. so, so you, now, my mother's about five one. <laughs> you know, at that time, I was probably six. I was just hitting the growth spurt, so about six one. And so, to have that shared to you, yeah, uh, you know, it was really. I, I remember you get heated in the inside, yeah. And you know, so I was like, man, is this what this experience is going to be like? And so, it was a very challenging freshman year. Wow. Uh, in the beginning of it, I would say, you know, you having some some tension. Yeah, it was only I think I was the only when I ended up graduating high school. I was the only black person in my class, about 168. Really? Okay. And I think at the time I was in the school, my freshman year, maybe about 10 of us was in the whole school. Wow. Um, so it was challenging. It was yeah. challenging. But what I realized is as we worked through those challenges, because we basketball, we had some challenges, you know. Our coaches had to have some team meetings. How do we get this kid to simulate or get our kids to all simulate together as a team wow. when there's this new person? And then on top of not only is he new, but then he's an African-American mm -hmm. and it's a predominantly white school and it's not gelling well. But the thing was, as we took time to get to know each other, and that's what I really enjoyed about the community forum, huh. was this discussion and di a dialogue on understanding. Yeah. And as our coaches and our schools, since they took us time to get to know people huh. and talk, you started to find, they started to find, hey, he's not, Hampton's not too bad. <laughs> he's not too bad a guy, right? And and I started to see, like, okay, these uh, these other individuals, this school, these are not against me, huh. right? And and so it ended up being one of the best experiences for years, I, I could say, that I had huh. great friendships, great connections. Lessons learned, yes, yeah. but it was it was a powerful time in my life, which then has helped me even more to be able to huh. navigate in all cultural environments. Hmm. 
Do you remember like that that event, that ninth grade event? How your mom or maybe your dad uh, helped navigate that with uh, you? Well, I, I remember my mother. You know, so so my mother. It was kind of it was a painful point to have that said to you. Uh, and my father and, and mother always impressed something on me. They uh, said, "They said, son, I need you to know you're somebody because God doesn't make any junk. I, uh, I think my mother had plastered a couple of those signs in our bedroom for me and my brother um, just to constantly keep hearing that, constantly keep hearing that. You're somebody because of what God has done. Uh, God doesn't make junk. You're somebody. And constantly keep. So no matter what opposition you mm -hmm. may face, always remember in Christ you're somebody. Uh -huh. You know, and, and then because of who you are in Christ, then you're going to treat people a certain way regardless uh -huh. of how they may deal with you. Uh -huh. And one of the things you told me in my office was, I mean, you kind of went all four years through high school. Oh, yeah, Norton. yes, yes. And you graduated, and you were the... Yeah, school president. School president. School president. Wow. Right. Yeah. It, it, that's, and that's why I say it was a major turnaround. Just, it's, it's so many stories I could talk about in that high school experience from the beginning of my freshman year where you had some racial tension. Huh. To then be able to navigate through it to where you have a, a phenomenal experience and great memories uh, of a school, uh, high school years. Yeah. And would you say that racial tension, which you were saying, was just a lack of understanding? I think like a lot of times it was a lack of understanding. You, you know, you had such situations, me and my wife talk about this because and she has some of these same experiences where you'd be hanging out with some of your friends. And so you may be the only uh, black person in the car, the only black person. And they would be talking about black people. Huh. And then you'd be like, hey, 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 Dan, hey, you, you know I'm black too, right? And they'd be like, oh, well, you're not one of them. Oh, wow. Right? But, oh, but yeah. it, and a lot of times that kind of stuff happened because of the stereotypes that we have about one another, huh. the way we see each other because of how we're presented on media mm. or the way our parents have talked about some things in the home. Uh, and, and those things, and it, it gives us that impression that that's how those people are over there. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, you you don't want to go into the city because those people don't have any man manners. You you don't want to go out in the rural country because those people are gonna kill you because you're different, right? You wow. get this impression of people that's not really accurate huh. when you get to know people. Yeah. So what you just described was like stereotypes that go all kinds all of ways. All kinds of ways. Oh, yeah. We, we, we get stereotypes. I, I was listening to some of the things you, when you were teaching uh, on, on respect in the home, hmm. right? And, and sometimes the way we are as parents impacts how the children will see other people. Huh. And so yeah. th those stereotypes go all the way around. You know, yeah. you, you get to, uh, one of the things that was concerning, you know, you come, people say, well, you know, you going to Norton, uh, everybody going to be in some cowboy boots, uh, driving big F-150s or yeah. some kind of truck, chewing tobacco, you know, like it's going to be uh, uh, this, this country boy. Well, it really wasn't like that when I got out here. You know what I mean? So, so you have these, people have these impressions because they haven't encountered or experienced people. Yeah. Um, and once we get to know each other, like I said before, that community dialogue, and even as you and I have grown in relationship, the connection, the communication, you start to see, man, this is great. Uh -huh. and, and again, it helps us to see more of who God is. Hey, you know, one of the things I wonder if you could just kind of talk about is, so obviously there's a lot of things, I don't think anything new, but I would say there's a lot of things that are stirring right now yes, in our culture. Yeah. And I had asked you this in my office at one time, but when when the George Floyd death happened, I asked you this. I said, 
I'm just curious what kind of things went on inside of you, how you felt, what that made you think, uh, and kind of how you processed all that. You mind sharing that? Oh, man. It, you know, as, as a black man, as an African-American, there's so many things that run through your mind. The, one of the first things is, you want to go back to your flesh. Like, I have to admit, you know, you get angry, mm -hmm. you get upset. Um, it, it makes you want to do something. Like, how do I respond to this? How do mm -hmm. I, especially when, you know, you get the different pictures that are coming out. And then mm -hmm. you start to hear the other stories, Sandra Bland. And you start to hear the other things that's going on, the different situations in New York and, and, and Minnesota, mm -hmm. Minneapolis and, and in Kentucky. Like, you, all these different stories are happening. Mm -hmm. And it really causes you to be like, man, I want to destroy something. Mm -hmm. Or someone, you know. And then you had to come back to it and realize that's not going to help either. As my mother would always say, two wrongs don't make a right. Wrong. Uh, but it was really it was really painful. I mean, it was just to, to, to see the a man who has been subdued, who is not doing it, not fighting now, or whatever they might have said, but, and you got your knee on his neck for that long and the facial expression of the police officer mm -hmm. that looked like this is pleasing to him. Mm -hmm. um, it was very painful. It was very painful. And then, so then it made you realize, okay, we got to do something. Now, I can't respond mm -hmm. as one who doesn't have any biblical wisdom or any, a relationship with God, mm -hmm. but how do we start to talk about, how do we start to stand up, how do we start to address this mm -hmm. in a form and fashion that will help us as believers mm -hmm. know this is how we got to deal with it. But it was, it was very painful. I mean, I, I, I still go back and look at different stories, I've done uh, so many different documentaries out there now on, on cases I I had never really paid attention to because maybe you're growing up and you don't mm -hmm. know it or you you know I'm here in Ohio and something happens in New York that before we have all these cameras and before we have uh, on our phones and before we have all this publicity on these events now that mm -hmm. things that happened that we didn't really know mm -hmm. and I've gone back and relooked at these documentaries and you're seeing this hatred. And, or, and this um, lack of respect mm -hmm. for an individual because of the color of their skin. It is, it is traumatic. Mm -hmm. It's very traumatic. What were some of the things that you led your congregate, like conversations, and well, what are the things you yeah. went through? So, so one is you, you start having these conversations about uh, the importance for us to know who we are in Christ, mm -hmm. one, right? Mm -hmm. And because I know who I am in Christ, then I got to stand up for justice, but that justice has to be righteous justice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then, and then another thing is, as a Bible believer, you understand these things are gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Now that that becomes very traumatic because we we want to believe that you and I can change everybody. Mm -hmm. You and I can pray, and everything can go away. However, the scriptures tell us that in the last days, as Paul is talking to Timothy, some of these things gonna happen. Hmm. Right, it, the the that people are gonna wax cold, and hmm. evil men are gonna grow worse, and deceive, and being deceived. Hmm. So we know. So now, then, you gotta prepare yourself. Hmm. But be, just because we know those things are gonna happen, does not mean we sit back idly and don't say something or do something, so that hmm. people can realize there is a better way to live in Jesus Christ. I think it's become a great opportunity to witness, to talk to people, and what it has done also, I think now that it's so public, it's causing 
people to realize we need to do something. All people are need to do something. Mm -hmm. and, and how do we come together? How do we uh, help our world, our community? What, uh, what is it that, so as you and I talk as brothers, obviously I'm not a black man. Yes, sir. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't have some of the same yes, history and stuff. What is it that would begin to tell you that I can't totally empathize with how you might process something like that, but what are the things would, that would begin to tell you, like, I think you at least are beginning to understand? Like, how would you know that I'm starting to try to understand how something like that might kind of hit you? I think one is just having these kind of dialogues, hmm. making the connection to realize, hey, there's a problem in my land. Hmm. And how do we impact our world for the better? Mm -hmm. So one is having these kind of conversations. Number two is, as you've been teaching here at the Northern Campus, is respect. Mm -hmm. And that respect goes to the place of not just understanding my life matters, but that my life is equal to your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You yeah, know. talk a little bit about it. Because you said that one time to me in my office. I, said, I asked you this question. I said, what's one thing you would want me as a as a white man to know or acknowledge, and you kind of went down that path. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I think it's a, it's a powerful principle because sometimes people say, oh, you know, we, I realize your life matters. Oh, your life matters. And that's good, mm -hmm. but is my life equal to your life? Mm -hmm. Do, should I get the same protections you get? Hmm. Should I be able to uh, to go to the same schools you can go to? Hmm. Uh, if if our credit scores are the same, if our financial resources are the same, should I can I be live in your neighborhood? Hmm. Can I be your neighbor? Hmm. Right? Hmm. Would you do the same things with me that you would do with somebody else? Do my kids get the same level of treatment that your kids get at the school? Hmm. You know, or do you see um, my life being that 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 on the same level mm. with your life. And I think that becomes so powerful because sometimes people say, well, you know, I know your life matters, but you don't have the respect or you you don't think my life is equal to your life. Mm. And, and I think that's so important because it's not enough just to say my life matters. And you say, mm. oh, yeah, these, uh, you know, black kid lives matter. That's wonderful. But if you don't think my life is equal, mm. Mm then it's still not going to be doing the same thing, hmm. you know, that I'm not going to be able to experience the same kind of life you have. So our American, <clears throat> excuse me, our American dream will look totally different. Yeah. So, so talk to the Norton campus at Grace Church in the middle of this, what's going on in our culture. What are some ways, what are some practical ways that we can walk away from this conversation uh, and begin to demonstrate racial respect. Yeah, so I, I would say, I would say, as we think about this, we number one, we're going to look for opportunities to do it, huh. not wait for opportunities to come. Yep. Look for opportunities. So we're going to become intentional about showing respect. Huh. So, so maybe that's the person that's, uh, maybe there's a black person coming into the store, you're going out to the store, intentionally, I'm going to hold that door. I'm going to beat them to the door, hold the door for them. Uh. Maybe there's somebody coming, uh, another minority or you know, whatever it is, an individual, I'm going to speak to them before they speak to me. Huh. Right? Intentionally looking for ways to show respect. Hmm. Intentionally, because again, I'm valued. I'm a, I'm a assist somebody. I see a mother with a child. She's struggling. I'm going to intentionally go and help. 
Mm-hmm. Now, again, now I know that makes us vulnerable, but I'm not looking for the opportunity to come to me. I'm looking for the opportunity to do it because I'm going to apply what I'm learning. I love it. So I got people in my job that, uh, you know, maybe black, maybe Hispanic, whatever. I'm looking for opportunity to connect. I maybe never have talked to that person before. And I'm going to try to have, hey, let's do lunch. It may be simple. Mm-hmm. Let's just say hi. Let's get it. Oh, we both in the break room together. Hey, how are you doing? How's your family? I, I, you know, beyond just doing work mm-hmm. with that person. Mm-hmm. Intentionally looking for it. Uh, another thing I would say is intentionally, as we talked about before, intentionally having these conversations with my children. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is not right that we see going on. Talk to them about it. Now, you may not show them all the videos. You may not show them all the stuff that's being said. But start talking to them about, hey, as a Caucasian, as a white person, this is how we're going to treat people who look different than us. Hmm. Because everybody should be respected and valued. Hmm. And then number three is watch what I say about people. Mm-hmm. Watch hmm. what I say about people. Hmm. What, what, what am I saying about individuals in private conversations? How am I talking about them? Am I talking about them from a racial perspective mm-hmm. or from an individual perspective? You know, and there may be sometimes I gotta deal with challenging situations and I may have to bring corrections to a situation or expose something, but how do I do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think so those practical steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, number, the biggest one for me is just being intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, pray for your neighbors, but not only pray for them, try to talk to them. Mm-hmm. If they don't talk to you, that's on, that's on them. But it won't be because you didn't ex- you didn't present yourself as a person of, of of godly character, loving, and concern. Yeah, I love that principle. Don't wait, but make Man. the opportunity. I love that. Go here with me a little bit. What do you think the difference between... So let's talk somebody who's a follower of Christ. How do you know when somebody's just patronizing you versus respecting you? I, I think you'll, you'll sense it from their heart. So, that, you know, we start talking about discernment through the Holy Spirit. But you also can tell by their uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell when somebody's just saying something mm-hmm. and it's not really meant. Mm-hmm. It's not sincere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just words like they're trying to rush you on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. have you ever had situations, you know, in a marriage? You know, you'd be like, oh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah I'm with you. Okay, whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. Well, you, you're not really meaning that. You're just trying to stop the conversation. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so but I think when when it's heartfelt, there's going to be actions behind it hmm. that are consistent. Hmm. It's heartfelt. It's not just something I'm just doing. Say, oh, check off. Oh, I treated the black person fine today. Hmm. No, no, no. It's going to be consistent. This is how I treat people, mm-hmm. regardless of their differences from me. Mm-hmm. It's consistent. I'm gonna be like this consistently on my job, consistently in my neighborhood, consistently in my church, consistently in my community, like because this is what I do. This is the mm. kind of person I am. This is my character. Hmm. Well, I want you to know I value our friendship. Me too, Dave. sir. Value, value, value. Appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning, I always look forward to the times hanging out and getting to talk with you yeah. and share. I do too. And, and I, I learn from you and learn with you and uh, love the opportunity we get to serve in the same General City. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm excited about yeah. it. I'm excited about uh, this, this whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, we came together to connect, to ask and conversate. You was, you know, after having a conversation with my father in the mm-hmm. past. And, and just, so it, it has been, uh, uh, man, just something I really enjoy mm-hmm. and really, truly value. Like I said before, 
I don't want to let anything happen that would destroy this connection. Ah, I'm with you on that. I wonder if I can ask you to do me a favor. Yeah. I wonder if you would bless us just by praying for the Norton congregation and the Norton campus. We're navigating this conversation. We want to uh, turn the lights bright on Jesus in regards to even this racial respect. And so I wonder if you as a brother and a leader yes, would pray for our congregation. Yes, sir. Let's do that. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you and praise you uh, for my relationship with your child hmm. and my brother, Pastor Dan. I thank you for this great church that he's leading and the other pastors who are serving with him and each and every member. I thank you for the opportunities, Lord God, to have dialogue hmm. and conversation that would bring us to an understanding. Father, I thank you for his passion to even lead this great church in conversations that may not be always comfortable as you talk about respect in the home and generational respect and racial and cultural respect. And as mm -hmm. we deal with some challenging things that would cause us to examine ourselves as your word would tell us that, how can I take out the beam out of my brother's eye or my sister's eye if I don't first deal with the speck and the stuff that's in my own eye? Mm -hmm. Father, I pray that you would just uh, bless this great church. Hmm. Lord, let your hand be upon them. Let your spirit uh, lead and guide them that the things that they're hearing, the things that they're learning would become the way they live. And as they live this, other people will be drawn to you hmm. because of their heart's desire to serve you and to show love and respect to each and every person they come encounter with. Father, I pray that you will help them as you're helping all of us in the body of Christ to keep our flesh under control, mm -hmm. that we will not allow our flesh to lead us, but we will allow your spirit to lead us. Mm -hmm. And so, Father, again, I thank you. I pray for blessings and favor and grace and strength, expansion, Lord God. I pray unity, Lord, and in that place of unity as they come together, I pray that you would command the blessing of life evermore, mm -hmm. that this church would shine so bright that it would cause others near and far to want to be saved and want to have what they have with hmm. you. Father, I thank you for it. Bless this community of faith is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, brother. I appreciate that's, it. It's fun, man. Like we, I always get caught there. I shake his hand. I didn't know the rest of it. I so appreciate my friendship with Samuel. So appreciate how he blessed us with being willing to have that conversation. And I love the fact that I get to partner with him in the gospel. I've learned a lot from him. We have shared some good conversations together. So even watching that video and kind of uh, going back through the conversation we had just made me realize how much I treasure our friendship. Um, what I want to do the remainder of our time together is I simply want to look at a couple things, and I want to talk to us as a church. Now, here's how I want to start. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. Uh, as I have this conversation with you about racial respect, I want to say, I don't know that I necessarily have a right to have this conversation, but I do think I have a responsibility. Here's what I mean. I really don't know what it's like to, to live in the United States of America as a person of color, like my friend Samuel. I don't. Right? But I am a minister of God's word. And so whereas I might not have a right from experience, I might not know exactly what it's like to live as a person of color, I feel like as a minister of God's word, I have a responsibility to say something. I have a responsibility for us to talk about this. And so that's what I want to do for a few brief moments. And here's how I want to begin. And I want you to write this down somewhere. Because when we talk about racial disrespect, I want you to write it down this way. Racial disrespect is racism. 
And then I want you to write this down. Racism is sin. I just want you to write it down. Racism is sin. Racial disrespect is racism. And racism is sin. Racial disrespect doesn't and won't acknowledge the value and the worth in somebody from a different race. I would even go further than that and, and acknowledge the beauty of somebody from a different race, right? That's what racial disrespect, it won't acknowledge the value in somebody that comes from a different ethnicity, a different culture. Racial disrespect ignores what God says, right? It ignores what God says, and here's what it does. Instead of relating with somebody on the basis of what God says, it begins to relate with somebody from a different race based on stereotypes, prejudice, caricatures, that's what racial disrespect does. Any kind of, I want to be clear about this, racial superiority, racial dismissiveness, or racial injustice is racial disrespect that is racism. And ultimately, racism is a sin. Why is it a sin? Because it violates, rejects, and dismisses the entire arc of the story of God. That's what I want you to hear me say. We're going to break it down, but it, it, it just totally ignores, rejects, and dismisses the entire arc of God's story found in his word. Racism, racial disrespect is a sin. So here's the question, why? Well, let me give you three reasons, right? There's probably more ways we go. Three re reasons, and as I give you these three reasons, I want to tell you this. There's some incredible things that have been written about this. And one of the people that I've read a lot over the last several weeks is a guy named Tim Keller. And he wrote some fascinating articles that, that we're going to try to make available to you, right? Fascinating articles. And out of these articles, I think we can see three reasons, right, from God's word why racism is sin. First is this. I want you to write it down. Racism is sin, first and foremost, because it violates the image of God. It violates the image of God. The very beginning of God's story simply states this, is that God is the creator who created mankind in his own image. Here's what Genesis 1 says. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Here's the point. We've talked about this before here at the Norton campus. We're not the creator. We've been created by the creator, right? but we are distinguished from the rest of his creation. Psalm 8 says that literally mankind, he crowned with glory. He created humans in his image. That's why there's a distinction, now listen close, between your dog and your spouse. <laughs> just, just think about it for a minute, right? I talk to people all the time, they, you love your dog, right? And, but I've talked to people who love their dog, their dog's getting old and it starts to ail, and here's what they'll come in and they'll say to me. I'm sad today, Pastor Dan. Why are you sad? Because i got to put my dog down. Why? Because my dog's getting old and my dog's getting sick. And so I'm going to put my dog down. And so they're sad. In 27 years of ministry, I've never had anybody come in and say, you know, my wife is getting old and she's getting sick and, and i got to put my wife down. We don't, why? Because there's a difference, right? You see, we've been created in the image of God. Stamped on every human being you come into contact with is the image of God. That's why Martin Luther King Jr. said this, the whole concept of the Imago Dei as expressed in Latin, that's the image of God, is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected. Not that they have substantial unity with God, they aren't God, 
but that every human has the capacity to have fellowship with God. And this gives him a uniqueness. It gives him worth, gives him dignity. We must never forget this as a nation. There are no gradations in the image of God. Every man from a treble white to a bass black is significant on God's keyboard. Precisely, he says, because every man's made in the image of God. One day we will learn that, he says. We'll know one day that God made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. That very reality is why Jesus' half-brother James wrote this. It's interesting. Jesus had a half-brother named James. He wrote a book of the Bible named James, and he says this, With the tongue we come and we sing and we praise the Lord and our Father, and then with it we curse human beings. And then he says this, who've been made in God's likeness, image of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. He simply says to speak disrespectfully or to curse or to degrade another human being is to ignore, violate the image of God in that person. I think it's the thing that led Jesus to say this in Matthew 5. He said, you've heard it said, to the people long ago, you shouldn't murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And then he says this. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, term of dismissiveness, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Here's the point. To treat anyone, any class, any group, any race unequally or, to use Jesus' term, to dismiss them, raka, right, is to violate the image of God in that person. Racism is a sin. It violates the image of God. But there's a second reason. I want you to write this down. Racism is a sin because it rejects the gospel of God. Now, I want to I explain this. Not only violates the foundational belief that we've all been made in the image of God, but racism rejects the essence of the gospel, the good news that God loves us, sent Jesus to die to pay the penalty for the sin that we all are guilty of. We all are sinners. And so Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so a relationship with God forgiveness of sin is based on nothing that I've done and everything that Jesus did. That's why the Bible says salvation is by grace. Dan, you don't deserve it. It's through faith. Say yes to Jesus. I'm going to say yes to what he did for me. Salvation is by grace. Don't deserve it. Through faith, say yes to what he did. That is what salvation is. It's not by any work that I do. Here's the deal. Racism is a form of self-righteousness. I don't know if you ever thought about that or not before. Here's what I mean by that. Racism disrespects people from other races and it looks at you as superior. Let me say it this way. Racial disrespect is not a new problem. In the first century church, they dealt with this. You just need to know this. There, there's a story where, the, where Paul literally confronts Peter on his racial disrespect. You find this kind of talked about in the book of Galatians chapter 2. It says this, Paul speaking. He says, when I saw, he's talking about Peter and his companions, 
that they were, key phrase, not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. What were they doing? Well, they wouldn't have fellowship with people that weren't in the same race as them around the table. They wouldn't have table fellowship with people from a different race. And so what Paul says, I saw they weren't acting in line with the gospel, the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas, Peter in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And then he goes on to say, we who are Jews by birth, not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified, this is the gospel, by the works of the law, but by faith. So we too have put our faith in Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Here's what's interesting. Paul confronts Peter on his racial disrespect, and he doesn't confront him and say, you're violating the image of God, although he was. He doesn't confront him and say, you're not following the second commandment, love your neighbors yourself, although he wasn't. He confronts him and he says, the way you're acting racially is not in line with the truth of the gospel. That's what he says. Racism, racial superiority of any kind, racial disrespect, racial dismissiveness, racial stereotyping, racial profiling, racial joking is not, listen close church, in line with the truth of the gospel of God. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. Why? Tim Keller says this. This is so fascinating. For most people, race is a kind of self-righteousness. We think of ourselves as the good ones, not like those people over there. That means we tend to make our cultural racial preferences into moral absolutes. He says, when you and I rely on our own achievements or pedigree or behavior or even our race more than the justifying work of Jesus for our sense of significance and security, it makes us radically insecure. So here's what we need to do. We need to bolster our sense that we really are good, lovable, worthy people because at the deepest level, we know we're not. This insecurity, he says, shows itself in a variety of forms, arrogance, pride, self-hatred, shame, defensive criticism of others, one bitter, listen, and common fruit from this failure to grasp salvation by grace is this. It makes the operating principle of your heart racism. There's a need to be superior. He says it's not in line with the gospel. Here's what I want you to hear me say. Every person you meet made in the image of God Every person you meet is loved by God. Every person you meet, God loves so much that Jesus died for. Every person you meet is in need of the same grace of God. Every person. It's not in line with the truth of the gospel. There's one last thing. is this. Racism is sin because it dismisses the kingdom of God. I want to explain this. There's something very important. In our 21st century American church, Many people see salvation only with individual glasses. I'm saved from my sin. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the, that's the way they look at salvation, just with an individual pair of glasses. And whereas it is true that you are, when you say, yes, Jesus, saved from your sin into a personal relationship with Jesus, I want you to know this, that salvation is a personal decision but it doesn't simply have individual dynamics. 
The moment you and I say yes to Jesus, we become part of a new kingdom community where Jesus is King, Savior, and Lord. That's what Paul was talking about in Galatians 3. He says, So in Christ you are children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So now there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ. All one. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs, the same according to his promise. Now, here's what I want you to see. In this passage, the idea of circumcision was not just a biological marker. It was a metaphor for racial and ethnic differences. And what Paul is saying is this, is that when we say yes to Jesus in Christ, the differences that, that distinguish us, they don't divide us. That's what he's saying. He's saying we're all united into the same family. We're part of the same kingdom community. The purpose of Paul writing this is not to say there's no longer any differences. But what he's saying is those differences that used to divide us are actually things that come together in the same family, through the same way, the same grace of God, and they make a beautiful picture of this kingdom community that God is building. That's what he's saying. And someday we're going to realize that perfectly. Revelation 7 says, this, the very end of the story of God, the arc of the story of God. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. No one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. No racial distinction, disrespect. Okay? It's the arc of the story of God. Here's the deal. Racism, sin, violates image of God. Racism is sin. It rejects the gospel of God. Racism is sin. It dismisses the arc of the story of God and the kingdom of God. So all that being said, it begs the question, where do we go from here? What do we do? Let me give you two things and we're done. What do we do with this conversation today? Here's the first thing. I want you to write some of these things down. First is this. We repent of racial disrespect. That's where we got to start. I gotta repent. I came across this little definition this last week. It's kind of a, a new way to say some things maybe you've heard before. I don't know. But what in the world's repentance? Well, based on new information Jesus maybe makes available to us, or suddenly old information that he suddenly convicts us of, we begin to rethink everything and confess where we're out of line with him in a way that changes the course of our behavior. When it comes to racial disrespect, that's what repentance is. Let me give you some suggestions. I think that means this. You can write these down. I think we've got to repent of being racially dismissive. Repent of being racially dismissive. One form of disrespect is to dismiss this whole conversation. It's easy to dismiss people who aren't like you. It's easy to say, that's not my problem. Can I tell you this, that when it comes to this racial tension, to dismiss it and say that's not my problem is not a luxury that my friend Samuel has. And I think about what the Apostle Paul says. He says, do nothing. Dan, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. Your friend, Pastor Samuel, above yourself. Not looking to your own interests. This doesn't have any bearing on me but to the interest of others, it has bearing on all of us. 
I gotta repent of racial dismissiveness. I gotta repent of being racially insensitive. I think of what Psalm 139 says. You can write these passages down, verses 23 and 24. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I need to ask God to show me ways that I have embraced racial superiority, racial prejudice. God, show me ways that I've stereotyped. Show me ways that I've been prejudiced. Show me ways that I've degraded other races, made fun of them, caricaturized them in my mind. That's what he's saying. And the third thing I would say is this. I had to repent of disregarding racial injustices. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You see, he confessed the disregard for racial injustices. Systemic racism is something that does exist. If that's a term you're unfamiliar with, then chances might be that you've dismissed this conversation. Systemic injustice is simply where there's structures and systems that are set up that disadvantage another race. That's what it means. And so I got to repent of disregarding that because if I have not been the one disadvantaged, it's easy to disregard it. You see, I think I got to begin by repenting of racial disrespect, which leads to this, and here's where I want to end. Then I got to respond with racial respect. I said it that way on purpose because I said respond, not react. Write that down somewhere. I got to respond, not. There's a lot of people reacting right now to all kinds of things in our culture. But I got to respond. You're saying, Dan, why are you saying it that way? Because respect is a response that reflects the God that I worship and the Jesus I follow. Respect is a response to the image of God in each person. Respect is a response that's in line with the truth of the gospel. Respect is a response that recognizes this new kingdom community that I belong to and the leader that I follow. So what are some responses? Just some suggestions. You want to write these down. I'd begin by pursuing understanding that leads to wisdom. I love Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. It says get understanding. I love that. In the place of dismissing other races, pursue understanding another race. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. If you're a parent watching this, this is a great application to somehow teach your children in a way that there's an appreciation and understanding for people of a different culture, ethnicity, and race. To listen to somebody else's story. To begin to listen. Understanding comes by listening. To ask questions. To learn. And the more you pursue understanding, the better you can apply wisdom. Right? The second thing I would write down is this. Build a relationship with somebody from a different race. In place of racial insensitivity, pursue a relationship with somebody from a different race. Can I tell you this? It's really hard for you to tell that racially insensitive joke when you're friends with somebody from that race. You see, I think it becomes easy 
to all of a sudden justify all kinds of racial insensitivities because sometimes we don't know anybody from a different race. You see, when I hear somebody say something that is racially insensitive about black folks, I think of my friend Samuel. All of a sudden, I begin to think through the lens of a relationship, not stereotypes and prejudices and caricatures, right? You see, I would begin by forming a relationship with somebody. Get to know them. Become friends with them. The last thing I would say is this, and, and then I want to pray with you and we're done. But if I could encourage us as a church, I'd say this, stop making points and start making a difference. Well, how does that work? Well, here's the way Micah says it, Micah 6, 8. It says this, walk humbly with your God. Act justly. Don't just speak about justice. We need to, to, to do something about the injustice. He says, I want you to do justice. When you see injustice, I want you to help. I want you to come alongside. I want you to assist. I want you to speak up. I want you to empower. So he's saying, I want you to make a difference right there where you're at, where you see it. You see, here's the deal. Respect is a demonstration or an expression of our worship of the God that we say that we follow. That's what respect is. And so the way we engage with this conversation tells the world something about the God that we say we worship and the Jesus that we say we follow. I love you guys. This is an interesting time in our culture. And this is a very, very important conversation. I hope this is just the beginning of it. God, I pray that you would help us to reflect your heart, to know your mind. God, I pray that your church would be a beautiful expression of the kingdom of God here on earth so that when people see the way we interact with people from different races, the way we respect different ethnicities, that they would see the heart of Jesus, the mind of God. Forgive us for the racial disrespect that maybe has been part of our lives. God, I pray that then you would help us to respond in a way that would reflect your glory and your gospel. I love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.